Welcome to Geeks Worldwide presents Pressing Key. I'm, of course, your host, Michael Schluger, and this is episode 288. Um, as you can see, or as you cannot see in this particular case, uh, we don't have our cameras enabled. Uh, our fantastic producer and uh, manager of cameras, Lance John, is uh, busy this week, and so we are producing an audio-only episode. Um, but there's still a lot of news to cover. So we are all assembled. Let me introduce the crew. Uh, we have Connor Howard. Hey, how we doing? Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And Josh Irwin. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Glad to have you both aboard. Lots of stuff to discuss. Um, and first up, we have two PSAs. Anytime we see anything cool on Kickstarter or Humble Bundle, uh, we like to let you guys uh, be aware of it. And there's two Kickstarters going on. They're both very early, so you still have plenty of time to jump in on this. Um, the first one is a Yukio Heroes Kickstarter. Um, now, if, if, uh, if you're not familiar with it, uh, Ukiyo is a type of Japanese art style. As soon as you see it, um, it you know, it's very distinct. You'll, you'll probably recognize it from other stuff. Um, and they had a very successful Kickstarter, I think it was a year or two ago, where they started doing these cool video game references in this art style. And now they're doing a second set of prints. Um, and this one is really cool. I mean, it's it's got um, Final Fantasy uh, 7 references. It's got a uh, Zelda uh, reference to it, Overwatch, um, Shadow of the Colossus. I love the... Uh, Metal Gear Solid one, and there's also a Dragon Ball one as well. Um, so let me ask you guys, are you going to be picking one of these up? What, what, what did you think of this? When they first came out, I, I just was remo- I was just marveling at the inventiveness of it. Um, I, I really loved the Star Fox one, where it's like like literal fox with a sword flying on a cloud, and like the you know the 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 rabbit and the frog behind him and stuff like that. I, it just it's so it's so refreshing. It's, uh, you don't see posters like that a lot. I mean, I have plenty of posters, uh, some of our video game posters, but this is like a really new take on you know, representing a video game in a really cool art style. So I'm not sure I'm going to go out and buy them, but like, this would be a really cool present to get from somebody. Like if I was just getting like a birthday present or something like that. So these are, these are really neat and I'm glad they're getting funded. Yeah. So the Kickstarter I should mention is already a hundred percent successful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only it's only been like two days, uh, but obviously this is a very popular sort of artist. Um, and I have bought the prints, and this is very interesting because what happens is the guy who draws the prints is in the U.S. His name is Jed Henry, and then he sends the prints to a master Kyo artist in Japan, and they actually carve the woodblock prints and press them and, and make the work. And you can find their videos online where they sort of detail the technique and what goes into it. And it's really, really cool. Um, what about uh, what about you, Josh? You gonna be picking any of these up? Yeah, I think it's really dope. To be honest with you, I didn't realize I, I've seen the Mario picture a million times. I think I posted it on my Facebook at one point because I just thought it was so cool. Uh, so I didn't even know that you could buy actual prints of these. So I'm sort of excited to see what they actually look like once they're printed out. And I can, I could definitely see myself picking up one of these. Um, I like the, um, shadow of the Colossus and the metal gear solid ones, particularly this time. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, to be a hundred percent brutally honest, I like the first set of pictures a little bit more. Um, especially the Final Fantasy VI one, which if you scroll down in the Kickstarter, you can see. Um, and there's another one that they did with a Chrono Trigger reference that is not posted here, but I managed to pick up directly from Jed um, at, uh, it was the Chicago Comic Con where I had met him. Which um, one's Final Fantasy VI? If you scroll all the way down, uh-huh. um, it is the uh, second row, second one from the right. Oh, in that uh, 10 picture series? It says Flight of Fantasy. If you go down, it basically it's depicting. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I forget it's the name. Ter- of the ter- ter- Terra. Terra. Terra yeah. from Final Fantasy VI. Yeah. On oh, the Magitech armor. That is cool. Yeah, so if you if you Google it, you'll see a much 
obviously much better high resolution one there's also a beautiful chrono trigger one um as well which depicts that the this the group basically around the campfire which takes place sort of late in the game three-fourths into the game they're all kind of chatting around the campfire and that's the scene that's depicted um but yeah so just keep in mind i do want to mention this real quick and then i promise we'll move on the cliche prints um are cheaper and they're larger right um the woodblock prints you'll notice are a lot more expensive they're 150 dollars, and that's because they're being made by hand and they're a smaller size so if you're if you're not familiar with this particular art style make sure you understand what you're purchasing the cliche prints are going to obviously come off a printer they're going to be very high quality and they're going to be larger better for framing displaying woodblock prints might want to you know take care of a little better and they're going to be smaller yeah it is pretty incredible the amount of work and attention to detail that goes into those woodblock prints i mean this is you're carving wood by hand with these customized images and then you know pressing them with paint onto paper it's just like i mean that's that's a mind-boggling way to create art and there's so much that goes into it so it's pretty crazy it's, and- it is, and, and the, the other thing to keep in mind is that every different color that you see, it requires on the woodblock print end of it a different woodblock. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's layered, yeah. Jeez. It's, it's layered. So, again, watch their videos online so you can understand what goes into making a single woodblock print, but every single different color has to have a different carving done, um, and then they press the color of that ink. Uh, they you know they put the color of that ink on the woodblock and then press it into the picture. Hmm. Oh yeah, that's amazing. Uh, the and and of course there there should be links. You should see the links below for for these kickstarters. And if not, you can yell at us on Twitter, and then we'll happily put them up. Uh, the second kickstarter is also really really cool. It's called Sega Dreamcast Collected Works, and it's basically a uh, you know it's an art book that uh, is sort of going to be all about the Sega Dreamcast and all the various games, all the all the promotional stuff, all the design drawings that were done in-house, um, all of the tech specs to everything. Hmm. Um, this book is being produced uh, with the full cooperation of Sega, so they're going to be dipping directly into Sega's own archives for this uh, book, and it's going to be really, really cool. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, what sucks is that they had a special limited edition that was being signed by Naoto Oshima, and he is one of the creators of Sonic the Hedgehog, but they only had 45. I don't know why they had so little, but only 45, so they are sold out. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say if you're going to buy it, pick up the regular edition of the book. They're selling three different special slip covers that are limited to 150 copies and they're selling them for $150 and it's kind of bullshit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the only difference between these books and the regular book is the slipcase cover. That's it. So unless you really deeply, truly love Fancy Star Online or Jet Set Radio with all your heart, it's really the the price difference is so massive because the regular book just costs 35 Well not american that's 35 pounds so it's it's for the six american 46 american versus 198 hmm. for just wow. a different slipcase wow. wait it's unjustifiable in my mind yeah yeah but that that smaller version or or the more reasonable one is like this is a great idea for anyone in your life who is uh just a diehard dreamcast fan like who you know, still maintains that the Dreamcast won, the, won that particular console war. <laughs> and I really think that was a really underrated console. So it's nice that it's being appreciated in this way. Yeah, I still have mine. It still works. Um, there were some great yeah, games you, on that platform. Yeah, there were. If you have if you have a, a Sega fan in your life, this is a perfect gift for them. Um, I'm also excited, a little unrelated, but uh, there's a lot of rumors swirling around that Shenmue 1 and 2 are getting HD remakes and re-releases on um, all the major consoles, so I'm very excited. That would, yeah, that would make sense, and that'd be really cool, especially didn't because did, didn't Shenmue Three get funded or whatever? Like, isn't that happening? Yes, yes, yeah, it's, it's in the works. So. That's good timing. That's cool. Hopefully, we'll see something on that soon. Yeah. But uh, any anything from you, Josh, before I, I move on? No, I love it. The Dreamcast is one of my favorite consoles of all time. And personally, I'd rather have the Dreamcast-looking slipcover than any of the other three that they're offering. So 
I'm not the the jet set radio one is stylish, but again, I'm not gonna. The difference is so massive; it's just not worth it. Spend a hundred and fifty dollars extra just for the slipcase cover. But for sure, uh, lots of regular news to talk about. Let's start off with our favorite punching bag, Nintendo. Who, for once, I have to say, and I don't know if I'm dating myself by saying this, but they're they're you know they're being a GGG. They're being a good guy, Greg. <laughs> they are. Uh, you know they're having a really good week, and for once, uh, all the news we have uh, uh, from Nintendo is actually pretty positive. Um, first bit of news involves their uh, their voice chat application, which I think what was that called? Uh, was it called uh, Nintendo? Just Nintendo Online? What's I think it's just yeah. It looks like it's just called Nintendo Switch Online. Yeah. So, um, to be fair, there was there was nowhere to go but up. For this particular one, yeah. For this, for this particular app. Um, so, for those that are unfamiliar with what we're talking about, the Nintendo Switch doesn't have like any kind of dedicated voice chat system in place, um, except for I think Josh, you mentioned to me over LAN it does. Yeah, well, yeah, I mentioned it because there was some confusion <clears throat> initially about whether the headphone port supported the the uh, three band, three and a half millimeter jacks, and it actually does. So there's no reason this isn't built into the system. But yeah, that's a side point. For sure. Um, So uh, instead, Nintendo basically came up with a dedicated app that you're supposed to run on your phone. um, And you're supposed to use that app for voice chat. You know, according to Reggie Fisami, supposedly... Head, you know, gaming headsets are bulky, and gamers don't want to use those. They want to use their, you know, phone headphones. And I have no idea what the hell he's talking about, but <laughs> I mean that—that's what he claims. Uh, so the case was that for this thing to work, you had to have your telephone, your telephone, your cell phone on, and this had to be the app running. It would not run in the background, which was a baffling decision. And then Nintendo fix it, so it works now. Yeah. Also, if your phone went to sleep, it shut off. Yeah. Like inactive screen, it would not work. Basically, it would not work. Yep. Yeah. And Jeez. it's it's funny that Reggie Fiumi says that people want to use their cell phone headphones because didn't they just like license some Splatoon headphones that are great big cans that you're supposed to plug into this thing with that <laughs> uh, octopus wire? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's ugly. They are ugly. Uh, but you know. Listen, baby steps. Baby steps. <laughs> I, I might have to disagree with you, Mike, about this being positive news for Nintendo because I just keep like just every time I think about this development, I just it just it's I just get sad. I just get I, I get borderline angry because it's like, how is that acceptable? That that's where they started out. You know, it's like it's I can't even give them credit for improving on it because it was such a horrible system to begin with. You know, <laughs> it's like so bad. Especially, I'm, I'm just like over here with my PS4 dedicated voice support from the get go, and then I hear that they're going to go to a subscription model for their voice chat, something like that. Like Eventually. they're going to, yeah, they're going to make you pay for it. I'm just like, yeah. okay, I want to, I want to call bullshit on that so hard, and I kind of do, but I also realize that. PS PSN Plus is a thing like they kind of charge you to play online on a lot right. of games so on a lot of platforms. They're, but they're not charging you for the voice, they're charging you for the multiplayer. Right. Yeah. So it's it's a little different but still I'm just like looking at Nintendo, I just can't help but think that they're approaching online multiplayer in general and voice chat in specific like like the like the most wrong way possible. And it's really hard to give them any credit for that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. You've got this gaming device that is operating on a modified Android kernel on some level that is totally capable of doing voice chat and running multiple apps, and they choose to make you put it on another Android device that you have to hold in some other way while and then operate two different devices. It's the dumbest idea in the world. Yeah. It it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I know it's Nintendo. I know they kind of do things their own way. They're not going to just be what playstation is but just with a nintendo flair i know that like the priorities are different but it's still just like if you're gonna pretend to do something like this do it well you're just i don't know reggie you're just giving me like the tofu when i want steak it's just (laughs) something like that it's like you're not even trying almost yeah i i agree but technically their online service is in beta right now which is why we don't have to pay for it (laughs) uh that's that's true i guess 
at this point, I don't know why you would be surprised, Connor, that Nintendo pulled a Nintendo on itself. Oh, it's not a surprise. It's, <laughs> they definitely pulled a Nintendo on themselves. I saw it coming. It's just like, I just, I'm just like, I'm more disappointed in them, like a, like a parent. <laughs> I thought you could do better. <laughs> I thought you could do better, Nintendo. Come on. Uh, oh, well. You're so innocent, Connor. You think they can do better? Um, but no, to, to, be, to be fair, to Ouch. be fair, they are doing better with uh, the NES and the Super NES Classic. It, it seems like it, right? We won't. Know for sure. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Um, but I, you know what? I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt because I want to believe in my heart of hearts that Nintendo isn't like an evil, greedy company that wants to capitalize on my childhood nostalgia. <laughs> probably the case. Um, so recently, two bits of news have come out. Um, both came about as a result of an interview with Reggie Fisami. Um, and the first thing he said was basically like, don't cave in to the scalpers. Do not hand over more than the uh, retail price for your Super NES Classic. We super duper pinky swear, cross <laughs> our hearts, hope to die, that there's going to be like a ton of these things everywhere and uh, i think he said and i am and i'm paraphrasing here but i think he said that um more units are going to be available off the bat than there were for the entire nes classic run interesting um i, I think i think so i'll believe it when point, i see it exactly that's 2.3 million units it is it is but and and again i'm 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 quoting here he said that they would quote produce significantly more units of super nes classic editions than we did of nes classic and he said that um there would be a quote dramatic increase uh unquote over the 2.3 million production run so don't lie to me again reggie i know <laughs> reggie my heart can't take it my heart can't take it so uh, i am i am hopeful um also a, a lot of stores uh, live retail stores such as Walmart, Toys R Us, Best Buy, all these places where you can pick this up are going to be limiting limiting it to one per customer, um, you know, from day one. So that's really good. That makes me really happy and uh, hopeful that I will be able to pick one up come the 29th. Uh, the other bit of news, um, and this makes me very happy because I wasn't able to pick up an NES Classic, is that they will be... Uh, on sale again uh it's going to take a little while and it's going to be in 2018 i believe so not anytime soon i imagine you know they're going to be selling both the super and the nes maybe concurrently they've already stated that the super nes is going to be initially they had said it was only going to sell through the holiday season but now they've said it's going to probably sell beyond the holiday season as well Hmm. so it won't be until summer of 2018 but you will be able to pick up your very own NES Classic as well. Interesting. Yeah, yeah it's so I, with, with when Nintendo says that they're going to address their supply chain problems. It's really just I I'm I'm very skeptical in day to day life about very about many things, but my skeptic levels go off the charts when I hear that. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever you say, man. And I I hope that people who want one can get one, but. Uh, not holding my breath i mean it's good that they're at least admitting that they had a problem of reaching the demand i guess by the so. way i found the i found the exact quote um it said the um the company promised that the september 29th launch would see more units of the super nes classic than the nes classic saw quote all last year with subsequent shipments arriving in stores regularly unquote so I'm really hoping they got their shit together on this one. That that, I, that just seems like a really bold claim. It's just <laughs> it, at this point, it just seems really bold. I don't know. So, I mean, what that means is since they're talking about last year, we know that um, they sold about one and a half million through uh, January. So, I'm hoping that initially they're going to have more than or about that much in stores. Really, I'm I'm really hoping that's the case. Me too. Um, so we will keep you posted. Uh, we'll certainly, maybe we'll even do like a very quick sort of uh, short little podcast the day of to, to let us, you know, to let you guys know how it went day one for us. Um, but that's it for Nintendo. Um, moving on, let's talk Blizzard. Blizzard recently made what to me was a really big deal, uh, made a really big announcement that sort of 
caught my attention big time. They are opening a dedicated esports arena in Los Angeles. How wild is that? That's a sign of the times, I think. I mean, that's really just it just goes to show you that esports are really gaining traction as a as a hobby, as a lifestyle, as a career. And you know, it's been I think it's been steadily building over years and years and this this does feel like the logical next step. It feels like this is the right time for that to happen. So Best, I mean, best of luck to them, but I mean, that's just crazy. Uh, I never thought it would. I never really thought it would get this far, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, my question is because the, the the article isn't specific. Um, it's officially opening, by the way, October seventh. Um, so that's right around the corner. Yes, um, and uh, it's going to be it's going to uh, coincide with the Overwatch season one playoffs. And it's going to be quickly followed by the Hearthstone Championship, uh, Hearthstone Championship Tours Summer Championship. That's quite a mouthful. They really need to uh, <laughs> make that a little smaller. On October 13th, and that's going to be then followed by the Heroes of the Storm Global Championship Finals, as well as the World of Warcraft Arena Championship. Um, and so this is going to be located in Burbank, uh, apparently Burbank uh, at Burbank Studios. Interesting. And... Uh, yeah, and on top of that, it's also going to have a nearby retail store, which is really cool. That's going to sell swag based on whatever uh, event is currently ongoing at the arena. Oh, of course, you got to have a gift shop. You can't can't not have that covered. What I'm wondering I is, it, is this a new building, or are they moving into an already established, you know, arena? Like, because there's no it's way it's got to be the latter. Yeah, because there's no way they would have built something like this so fast. You know. Without anybody knowing. And exactly, yeah. That they're so cagey about where it's at, and they're supposed to start opening it in three weeks. Yeah, that's weird. It's a weird move. Yeah, so I think their definition of arena and my definition of arena are very different. Yeah, it might just be a warehouse that they're calling an arena. You never know, because, like, they, you know, I'm just picturing one of those, like, giant empty rooms that people rent out for land parties and stuff. Like, I don't know. So there, there is an address... For it, um, I found it by following some links. Um, if you want to pull up an, in Google uh, Maps, you can do so. Oh, yes. It is 3000 West Alameda Avenue. Burbank, California. Yep, got it. Alameda Avenue. Wow, right next to, right down the street from Walt Disney Studios. Yeah. Now, it's not, I think sort of not the typical thing of the not the typical arena that we think of it's not a uh, sports arena-esque building and that kind of makes sense right because you're not really you don't have a field that needs to be played on everything's played on a computer sure Um, it's a studio yeah so yeah like it's like a soundstage almost that's what it is yep yeah that's what it looks to be it looks like it they converted a, a soundstage or something to that effect some sort of studio space Wow. Some sort of recording space into basically a giant arena. Um, I'm not sure how much it holds. That's the only information I was really looking for. Um, that is I'd be really curious. Yeah, that's a big deal. I got to say, it's a ballsy move by Blizzard. I mean, it, it's it's ambitious, but they've been having a really good few years. I mean, Overwatch and Here's the Storm and, you know, all a lot of their properties are really, really hot commodities right now. And there's their, their capital has got to be, you know, legit. So... It's they're just kind of going for it. They're just kind of cons- this is like a move to consolidate their power base. It seems like what's yeah. What's and I don't. Really, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I don't think it's in this article either. But I read another article today that uh, said that they had uh, gotten more professional sports team owners to commit to buying teams too. So hmm. like I think they have six or eight now. So that's like that is all really happening. Yeah, and uh, you know, by going directly to the press release, it says here that multiple broadcasts and events can be run out of Blizzard Arena simultaneously, thanks to multiple sound stages, control rooms, and player lounges throughout the facility. Hmm. Well, then that see to me, the point of an arena is to be able to watch it live and in person. So that tells me that there, this is just for production, and this isn't like what I would call an arena. Do you know? Well, 
so I guess I guess it was really going to boil down to capacity, right? Because at what at what point is an arena an arena? Is it an arena at a thousand people, ten thousand, hundred thousand? Where where is the uh, you know? Where's the line? Yeah, yeah. Where's the line? But exactly. I'm I'm wondering if this is just like a few hundred people per soundstage. Do you know what I mean? Like. Right. So, I mean, it's it's hard to tell. And the, I mean, the building looks big. It goes pretty far back. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. It's I, I think I think you could probably comfortably uh, see somewhere in the in the couple of thousand. Like I'm, I'm thinking five to ten thousand in here, but maybe more. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully. Yeah, we'll, we'll get some numbers uh, once this thing actually opens. Get a little more info. But yeah, I mean, Blizzard is committed to making Overwatch this sort of legit esports thing with a different team for every city, and I'm excited. I'm really excited. Yeah, well, we'll see where it goes. Definitely. Um, moving on. Uh, another sort of studio that has been making waves lately is really, and I and I never thought I'd say this. It's technically it's Ubisoft because or is Ubisoft the publisher but not the studio behind this? Oh, which game? They're they're the publisher. They're the publisher, right? Okay. Yes. I'm not crazy. Um, the South Park, the new South Park mm-hmm. game, uh, fractured but whole. Uh, I'm never gonna get tired of saying that. <laughs> um, recently, basically came under some scrutiny because they announced that. Uh, the difficulty level of the game is going to be determined by the the slider, I should say, for the difficulty level of the game changes the skin color of your character. <laughs> so the uh, yeah, so the the easy is if you're white, and if you're basically like a dark brown black, that's very difficult. Um, what makes it really interesting though is that it's not actually going to change the combat. That's going to stay the same no matter what. What changes is everything else how people react to you, um, I think how much experience points you get, how much gold you earn, how much things cost in the shop, that sort of thing. Um, What do you guys think? Innovative or? Yeah, definitely innovative, I'd say. (laughs) It's, um, It's something that I think a lot of people thought about, and I think it's something that's kind of in the back of a lot of gamers' heads, and it's definitely been in discussions, uh, I think, on the whole... Kotaku, SJW, um, you know, gaming culture circle jerk that we've we've sort of been embroiled in for a long time. There's like the side, there's the sides, you know, flinging shit at each other. There's the middle that just kind of wants to play their games, and then there's like, then there's someone who actually goes out and does it in a game that kind of makes the point. And we were talking about this earlier about how it's a little more newsy than it, it seems like a joke, but when you think about it, it's actually. I think Josh, you mentioned, you, you pointed out, it's actually pretty smart social commentary it's like there's there's always been that concept i mean people have been saying for a while hey if you if you are if you're a straight white cisgender male you've got it pretty easy compared in comparison to a lot of people and a lot of people hear, hear that and they think well that's that's not right i mean i have i have hardship too so you know you're you're full of it and the conversation doesn't really go anywhere but the south park guys they just go for it and they they kind of put it in your face like no, this is what happens. This is how it works sometimes. And it's like taking an uncomfortable aspect of real life and putting it in a game and putting it in front of your audience directly. So it's a very, very intriguing move, I think. I agree with you. I think this is fascinating because Trey Parker and Matt Stone, this is what they do. Um, They take complex social issues and boil them down in a way that's, um, even if you don't like it, it's easy to digest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is, I mean, I think this is amazing. Um, I, I don't agree with like Evan Narcisse of io9 and formerly of, uh, what he was on Kotaku or Gizmodo or whatever, where he says, you know, you using black folks, you know, is a burden. It's more of a, this is, you know, you shouldn't be using that as a, as a cheap joke, but I don't, I guess I don't see it as a cheap joke. Um, I see it as Trey Parker and Matt Stone doing what they do best and making something compelling out of complex a complex social issue. Yeah, I I, I think you're right. And the, the thing of the thing of it is it just works on so many different levels. 
mm-hmm. like if this upsets you, if this bothers you, because um, I, I, you know, I, I'm sure we've all seen some um, screenshots of different people posting that they're going to cancel their pre-orders, you know, <laughs> blah blah blah. Then I think that makes Matt Stone and Trey Parker totally happy, and they're going to laugh at you for doing mm-hmm. that. Um, and if this makes you think and question things. It works on that level. If you think it's just like a funny joke and a funny mechanic, it you know works on that level. Just any way you look at it, um, it it works. That's that's what I find really amusing about it. Is at the end of the day, if like however many people are offended and don't purchase the game because of this singular mechanic, I don't think Matt Stone and Trey Smith or yes, wait, Matt Trey Matt, Parker, Matt, Trey Matt, Parker Matt Smith, and Matt Stone. There we go. Got all mixed up in my head. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't think I don't think they're going to lose any sleep over it. I don't oh no, really oh, care. definitely not. Yeah, and, they they, uh, they want to push buttons. They want people to like you know think critically and maybe get upset and reevaluate reevaluate their positions. I think. Well, and you're talking about a game whose name is the Fractured But Whole, which is also. like a commentary. <laughs> also, which true. is a well, but if you know, but it's also if you think deeper about that name, it's a commentary on you know the current state of affairs in our country. Do you know what I mean? Like. Right. We're fractured, but we can come together for like uh, Hurricane Irma or, you know, like that kind of stuff. So like it all ties into this theme that they have going in this game already. And I, I, I think it's brilliant. And seriously, just hats off to them. Very much so. Very much so. I know I'm going to be picking up a copy of my game once it goes on Steam sale in like a year. Or if yeah. it comes to the Switch, I'll pick it up. <laughs> That's actually that's actually not an insult to the game. I just there's way too much stuff coming out. I can't keep up. Yeah, I agree. Um, Same here. I actually never played <laughs> Stick of Truth. It looked good, but I actually never got around to it. So, oh, it was so good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really good. If you are like a South Park uh, fan in any way, shape, or form, you should definitely, definitely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, moving on to a slightly. I don't even know how to take this. The part of the story is ridiculous. Part of it has actual sort of legal ramification. And uh, I just, it's a weird story. Uh, so here's here's what's going on. Um, there is a new basketball video game coming out. The, and, you know, the NBA 2K, I imagine it'll be 18, right? Because it's always like the next year's one mm-hmm. that comes out. And, uh, you know, NBA 2K, they're trying to be as realistic as possible with their player models. Basketball players have tattoos. So in the game, uh, the you know famous basketball players will have the realistic depiction of the tattoo that they have. Uh, total disclaimer: I don't follow basketball, so I don't really know which players have the super famous tattoos. But uh, apparently, um, some examples here are LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, uh, Kenyon Martin, and DeAndre Jordan all have apparently very famous tattoos that are going to be realistically modeled on this game. All right, so what's the fuss? The tattoo artist, uh, or or uh, one of the tattoo artists called Solid Oak Sketches, is actually saying, no, no, no. We own the copyright on the tattoo that we put on. I don't remember who was the player in question. Do you guys remember which player which player it was specifically? Um, um, not off the top of my head. Solid oak. I'm looking. I'm scanning now. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm scanning it myself. Uh, it's basically a, a particular one of the characters has a tattoo from the studio, from this tattoo parlor, Solid Oak Sketches, and they said, "No, we own the copyright to this tattoo, so it's infringement if you put it into this game and you don't pay us money." Hmm. <laughs> and uh, Take Two, who are the, the makers of the uh, NBA 2K series, are going like, "What?" And there's a lawsuit, and this thing is going to court. Yeah, this is crazy. It's pretty nice. Yeah, this is such, yeah, this is such a complicated issue. I imagine that they are correct that they own the copyright to the tattoo, but at the same time, are they protecting their IP by suing ESPN for airing videos of these players sporting their tattoos? Are they suing Fox News? Are they, you know? Yeah, it's a good. It's good. That's a very good question. I didn't think of that earlier. I was just thinking, like, if they if they have a binding, legitimate copyright on the artwork that is on these players, and this artwork is prominently displayed in, you know, EA's product or NBA 2K, um, 
I, I'd say they have a case. It's 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 interesting when you go from there though, and you think like the way I've always thought of it was like uh, tattoos are very rarely co- uh, copyrighted. They're probably only copyrighted in this case because they're on very famous people. Normally, I think of it as that tattoo is kind of the property of the canvas, like property of the person right. that asked for it, paid for it, like kind of in in most cases designed it, commissioned it. Like it, it gets into this weird concept of ownership like that's my tattoo it's on my body you don't own it you know so it's like i i conceptually you know from a philosophical standpoint i almost feel like that should kind of be the uh athlete's call you know i but again it, it comes back to if they have an actual copyright i mean it, i guess that's up to the judge to decide but it, it it does get weird and sticky when you consider like what is ownership like what uh, and josh that's a that's an that's an excellent point like well, where does it go in regards to TV? Like, I think that's a good question too. So here is the here's where it gets really, really interesting. Um, this is not the first time that a, a tattoo artist uh, has sued on these grounds. I'm going to give you uh, the most famous example that I came across. Um, obviously, you remember The Hangover Two, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. if you saw the movie, the characters in the movie meet up with Mike Tyson. Remember oh, that? I remember this. Oh, yeah. I remember this. So, and if you remember, Mike Tyson has a very famous face tattoo. Yes. Right? The That face tattoo is copyrighted. Hmm. And so when that movie was going to come out, the tattoo artist sued the movie studio saying, you can't, you can't have him in the movie because I own the copyright to this tattoo. And they settled out of court. Wow. I think... I think that that might be related to what my next point was going to be, was that if you can go into the I, – I believe that they got sued because they put that tattoo on somebody else in the movie. Yes. It, it, it wasn't because it was – Yes, one of the characters has, gets the same tattoo. Right. So I think that was the issue. So like in this case, in NBA 2K, if I, I think that they might have a solid claim if in the character creator you can use these tattoos – um, on any character you create. Is that, do you know that for a fact or is that? Just no, no, a... no, I'm saying if. Oh, if, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So I would say that they have a pretty good claim if like these tattoos are uploaded as artwork where you can customize a character with them. Yeah, I could see that. Um, another video game example of this is for the UFC game um, that THQ produces. I, I forget what the game, I think it's just called UFC. Yes, yeah, um, i yeah, so there was um, a UFC fighter. His name is Carlos uh, Condit. He has a famous tattoo, or, or I guess it's kind of famous. Regardless, it's copyrighted. The tattoo artist sued uh, THQ, who's the, the maker of the game, and they basically just removed the tattoo. Hmm. So it wasn't, you, you just didn't have that tattoo in the game. That would probably mm-hmm. make things a lot simpler if every studio just did that to avoid the complication, but. Right, but you want you want to the game to be as realistic as possible, right? Like if you are a diehard, you know, basketball fan and you see I your guess. favorite player, I can't. I can't speak. Yeah, I can't speak for actual fans of the of the two K games or the NBA two K games because I've never played one. But I mean, I'm just spitballing here. I'd imagine like they're more concerned about. I don't know, face facial structures, you know, body dimensions. Like you could probably replace a tattoo on any given basketball player. I mean, I live in Cleveland. I know the Cavs. Like if you took LeBron James and put him like put a digital version of him in front of me and re- replace his tattoos like with generic ones, I would not notice. But then again, I'm not a hard. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I would not realize the difference. Like you could just like replace him with like squiggly lines or like vaguely similar, you know, just generic artwork and I would not notice. Like I I could not tell yeah. you the difference. So that's just me right. talking. Absolutely agree. Yeah, so it's that's that's up to that's up to the actual fans, I think, to answer. But I I wouldn't think that would be an issue. Yeah, before you said that, Connor, I was going to say, well, who would you know? Who would if they did a throwback? Who would Dennis Rodman be with his without his tattoos? And that's true. Craziness. <laughs> Very true. Right? But at the same but at the same time, to your point, if he had, I don't know what tattoos he has specifically. Right. So any, any, they could put anything black and generic on his skin, and I would just go, "Oh yeah, that's a that's an approximation that fits my memory." Yeah, that's right. that's my expectation of Rodman right there. Basically, <laughs> that's that's yeah. pretty much it. 
That is an excellent point. Um, I hadn't thought of that. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe that's the solution. Just come up with a tattoo that uh, is, is similar but not the same or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could say some or, or just don't. Or, or don't let the players uh, utilize the tattoos. But yeah. uh, the article brings up a, sort of an interesting point is that, you know, if if we take this argument to the um, to the extreme, then the tattoo artist, if he decided that he didn't want anyone else to view his copyright work, could stop the player from leaving their house, right? True. So that's kind of, you know, when you think of it in those terms, it's, it's a ridiculous sort of argument. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what the court ruling is, and we will certainly update you uh, once there is one. Um, but speaking of copyright, there's another sort of sticky copyright issue uh, that is being discussed in the gaming world this week, uh, and it centers around none other than PewDiePie, uh, of course, the extremely, extremely famous YouTube streamer. Uh, here's what happened: He was playing um, Player Battlegrounds, Player Unknown Battlegrounds. And he got upset and frustrated at uh, one point, and he called another player on this live stream the N word. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he apologized for it. He said it was you know it was dumb, he was stupid, he shouldn't have said that, you know, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and a bunch of people, of course, you know, started saying, "Oh, he's racist," and a bunch of people started saying, defending him, saying, "No, he's not racist." We can talk about that. I'm not as interested in that discussion, to be honest with you, though, because. I think it's dumb, me personally. Yes. No. Um, you know, I think I think you shouldn't judge any one person by, you know, something they said in the heat of the moment, you know, and then they clearly apologize and recognize it's dumb and stupid, et cetera, et cetera. Is he racist? I don't know. I'm not in his head. Maybe, maybe not. That's not really the interesting thing to me. The interesting thing to me is that uh, Campo Santo, which is an indie developer, they are the guys behind Firewatch. They they made a decision. They said this guy's racist. We don't want to be associated with him at all, bar none. Period. And there, in the past, uh, PewDiePie had streamed their games. They issued a DMCA takedown of the videos where he's playing their game, so you can't find it, or you shouldn't find it, basically. And that's really interesting. Yeah. Where the where the publisher is saying we don't want any association with you. If you want to play this in the privacy of your home, go ahead, but you cannot stream our game anyway. Right. What What's your take on that? I uh, I think good for them. It's fair game. I mean, it's uh, it's a perfectly respectable move. I think it's I think it's probably what I would do if I was in their situation, because when you're a business like that, when you're a publisher, um, you don't. You don't always want to be associated with characters who might not represent your product the way you'd want it to be represented. And people need to remember that YouTube is a business as well. I mean, it's not something that that Felix is entitled to. He's not he's not entitled to having, you know, making a living off of YouTube. And if he pisses off the people that he relies on for his living, he has to face the consequences. So, I mean, people people cry censorship. People use the word censorship, and I don't think they understand what that word means. When when you're talking about a business, like a platform like YouTube, you're not entitled to it. No one owes you that platform, and especially if you, you know, are are associated with a product and the makers of that product don't want to be associated with you anymore. That's perfectly legitimate. And, you know, it, this is only possible through, obviously, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, and that's an existing law that they're using to their advantage. And so you can argue like the the ins and outs, the nuts and bolts of that law specifically. You can argue like, you know, whether or not you agree with that move. But I, I, I think that it's perfectly legitimate and um, I have no problem with it because that's honestly, again, it's probably what I would do in that situation too. Um, I think I think I agree with you. Um, I've kind of gone back and my forth, back and forth in my mind about it because to me, uh, rules like the DMCA should be applied equally to everyone, which is a thing that Nintendo does. Um, anybody who posts a YouTube video with Nintendo content gets a DMCA notice, but it's not a takedown, and you just share the revenue or whatever with Nintendo that you generate off the video. Um, but uh, no, I think you're right. I mean, I. I I, I saw Sean Bannerman. I follow Sean Bannerman on Twitter. I saw that he had posted earlier about, uh, hey, you know what? Him playing our game uh, indicates uh, us sponsoring his content, and we don't want to sponsor his content. 
then if you look at it from that perspective, you know, how often is sponsorship pulled from famous people for doing something stupid? It happens all the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so I kind of view it like the more I think about it, the more I view it that way. Like if that's what they want to do, like it's totally within their rights. And I think that that's the thing that they should do. Yeah. Like they, they can't stop this guy. They can, I, I, I know everyone knows him as PewDiePie, but I don't, I hate that name. So he's Felix to me. I mean, he's, they can't stop Felix from, you know, playing firewatch on his own time like they can't there's not there's no law that'll cop that'll you know could prevent him from playing a game this is strictly about revenue this is about you know representation of a product this is about you know making money off something and it's like if they can they can do that and they, i think in this case they're fine to do that uh, to, to, yeah. to go back to the racism point just really quick it's i know that's a whole other can of worms but it's just like my take is you know having that word in your vocabulary vocabulary is bad enough using it in anger is another step you know it's like i have that word in my vocabulary because i know what words are i'm a fan of dave Chappelle. i'm a fan of rap music so it's in my vocabulary but like using it in anger at another person is a completely different world it's like these are <coughs> words don't have value on their own we give them value and value comes from context and in that context it's a horrible thing to do so it's like, I again, like you said, Mike. I don't know these racists for for sure. I don't, you know, like we don't we don't have the inside of his mind laid bare in front of us, but we have indications, we have clues, and that's a that's a pretty big clue when you use a word like that in anger at someone else. That's not a good sign. So that's that's just my thought. That's my two cents. I was gonna say it reminds me of that instance. Um, we covered this story. I must have been a few months back. There was a a player. I think he was a pro player, um, and he was doing a live stream on Twitch uh, for Overwatch. And he got really upset about something, and he just used the N word several times in a row because mm-hmm. he was really upset. And then he's like, "Well, I guess my pro career is over." And he just <laughs> like, "Yeah, probably." And never came back. Yep. I, I actually, I still kind of wonder if it's part of the deeper media strategy that he uses to get more views on his YouTube channel. It could uh, be. It, I, I, it really could be. He might be like, was, noticing, hey, I get, you know, con- controversy is a good thing. So let's stir the pot a bit. I don't know. Yeah, it feels so calculated to me sometimes. So I, I know that's a really pessimistic and shitty view of it, but it, it feels very calculated. No, that's that's, re- that's realistic. It's it's a little cynical, but sometimes cynicism is good. It's just like that. People do that. People understand that how they can get reactions, and uh, you know what's to stop them from trying that trying that tactic out. You know. Yeah. No, I understand. You know, my my singular concern is you know there's always that possibility of a slippery slope and I'm totally playing devil's advocate here because I, I don't want to just like me too, uh, yeah. you know, add, add a me too here. Um, but it is a slippery slope, right? Because, um, potentially it, there, there is a small possibility that it could be abused. Sure. Um, if, if you don't like a particular person for whatever reason, you could just, you know, stop them. Um, but I will say that, uh, obviously the, the gaming world is large enough and robust enough that, um, you know, if like Nintendo decides it really doesn't like you and I'm sure Nintendo probably doesn't listen to us, but if it did, it'd probably be not too happy with all the criticism we throw their way. Um, and if Nintendo said, uh, press any key podcast, we'll never stream a Nintendo game for the rest of their lives. We don't already though. But if yeah, we I, know, did, I know what you mean. I know I mean, what you mean. <laughs> There'd be plenty of other stuff out there sure. for us to uh, to do. So um, it's it's probably not the worst thing in the world. I, I am curious to see if it's going to have sort of a cumulative or chilling effect. Are other studios going to emulate Campo Santo, or are they going to sort of take a wait and see approach? Yeah. Uh, one other one other stu- one other studio already has, but they were so minor that it's I can't even remember their name. Oh, which one was it? It was one of the independent developers. Um, what game did they do? I honestly didn't even recognize the name of the game. Oh, okay. But they, they have all, one, at least one other studio has also done it. I, I hear what you're saying, Mike, about the slippery slope angle. It's just that 
I mean, I, I agree. Like you can uh, you can absolutely have a conversation about how these laws are applied on a case by case basis, but I think that's just it. You really have to take it on each individual case. Like, is the law being applied fairly here? Is it you know reasonable here? I think in this case it is, but you definitely do want to think critically about each time something like this happens. I think you know is is it, is sure. it fair? Is it going to be you know equitable? That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So I mean. I definitely think it wouldn't hurt PewDiePie to maybe, or Felix, if you will, to do maybe, I don't know, some goodwill stuff out there. Like he should make maybe like a big donation to the NAACP or the Southern Poverty Law Center or something like that. Yeah. I mean, obviously the guy is Swedish and he doesn't live in the U.S. to my knowledge at all. Um but I think it would go a long way to sort of appeasing some of the critics. But we'll see if you know anything comes of mm-hmm. this whole sort of local right. fuffle. Yeah. Um, but all right, so that is it for the regular stories. We do have two quick what-the-fuck stories for you as well. Um, the first one involves uh, Japan because, of course, Japan. Um, there is a Japanese lingerie company. Uh, the name of this company is Wakol. I've never heard of them, but I don't live in Japan. And they have made a dating game uh, about bras and sleeping. Um, it's basically, it is a uh, mobile game. It's for Android, iOS. And you play in the game a woman with very large breasts who has trouble sleeping. Uh, that is your character. And uh, you go into uh, a store uh, where you meet was it five, yeah, five very attractive and some would say somewhat effeminate men who uh, basically give you tips on, you know, how to sleep better with your large breasts and which, uh, which Wakol, you know, bras would be best for you. God. And I assume you can date and court these men as well. I don't know. But um, the interesting thing to me here is that actually this is, from what I understand, a very popular genre in Japan, not specifically with the lingerie, but the whole sort of, um, you know, dating sim uh, graphic novel sort of format for women. This is apparently like a very big thing in Japan. This is just such an oddly, oddly specific avenue to go in <laughs> right <laughs> it's like i mean this is like we're making a game for that audience of women with you know with with large breasts who can't sleep very easily <laughs> like it's, that that demographic is gonna be very happy with this game <laughs> or it's it's honestly just to the point of like hey let's let's make a weird dating sim that people are gonna have a <laughs> have a novelty laugh at and it's i'm not i'm not i'm really not that surprised by anything anymore but this is this is just funny to me like I, I, where do they get so, this? I don't, that's what I want to know. Where do they get? Where do they come up with it? So I, I want to be clear that um, the the problem is real, right? In the sense that uh, some women with large breasts uh, do have trouble sleeping sure. for a variety of reasons, and the game actually does offer um, actual advice for what to do if if you happen to fall into this category. The interesting thing to me is like I didn't know specifically that like Japan had a preponderance of large-breasted women. Because they must have crunched numbers and they must have said, look, there's enough large-breasted women here that it makes financial sense for us <laughs> to have this game made they to really, market to them. They did the math. <laughs> they yeah. must have done a cost-benefit analysis. Yeah, they did, they did the math. <laughs> they did their homework. That's, I mean, that's great. I actually didn't know that, that there was that real-life kind of educational resource angle of it. So that's, that's great. I mean, that, that adds up. That makes, that, everything makes sense now where they're really actually just trying to do some good. And that's... Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> They're doing it in their typical weird J- Japanese way, but that's yeah, 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 more more power to you, buddy. I mean, you know, do do some and good you out to there. Sell, to sell more bras, exactly. That, that, that never hurts, right? Exactly. But uh, but yeah, I I really doubt that any any of our listeners out there happens to be a large breasted woman that can uh, read Japanese. But if, yeah, it's a narrow niche. <laughs> yeah, no. If you if you mysterious stranger are out there and you would like to give us a little review of the game, I would love to have you on the show. Yeah, so we want to know. <laughs> we want to know um, which one you think is the cutest. Um, <laughs> the second what the fuck story involves our what the fuck story from last week. How cool is this? 
Um, if you remember last week, we were talking about this Fight of Gods, which is an early access Steam game where you have, you know, characters like Buddha and Jesus and Moses uh, fighting each other. And yeah, I mean, this is pretty tongue in cheek. I don't think anyone um, is going to be taking this too seriously. But apparently Malaysia, Malaysia took it very seriously. Um, and they banned, well, I shouldn't say banned, they blocked steam store access because of this game like oh, wow. completely at all so no one could access steam in malaysia uh steam reached out and basically just removed the game from the um they removed in in malaysia they removed this game so you can't buy this game anymore in malaysia and and steam access was then returned but wow that's wow. i that, i can't i can't say that's shocking to me uh Malaysia is an extremely it's a it's a Muslim majority country I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken or I, I mean I'm thinking yeah in the last 20 years that's what they've become yeah yeah it's, it's also very true of like the uh, the Philippines Indonesia that's actually a lot of people think the Middle East is but in fact the that kind of Southeast Asia portion of the world is the largest concentration of Muslims in the world so it's you know there's there's a lot of um, kind of purity police kind of angle to this there's uh basically countries like that don't tend to be as you know secular and open-minded about entertainment as we might be so i'm not surprised that this is a huge deal over there it's a bit of a stir yeah, i mean this is this is this game is so tongue-in-cheek and over the top that i, I can't believe that anyone would actually take it seriously but uh, apparently I was proven wrong. Oh no, yeah, a lot of a no, lot I mean, of people, a lot of governments, a lot of church groups are going to see this as a threat to their values for sure. I, I don't see why. I I don't either, but that's how it is. <laughs> what, were you, what were you saying, Josh? Yeah, the thing that I the thing that I looked for whenever I originally saw this article was whether Allah or Muhammad were depicted in this game, and they're not. They're not. Um, so I think um, it'd be even worse yeah, if they know. were. It, it would be way worse if way, they were. Way but, worse. Uh, I mean, you know, to me, like, you know, whatever country, the, the, the I think, people. Well, first of all, hold on. I just want to interrupt you for a second to say they totally could have put Muhammad into this game. He would just have to be like a, a block, like a black <laughs> block. An amorphous you blob I mean? and just happens to be named Muhammad. Yeah, oh, just, you know, that's it. You just have him as a sort of a, you know, a black rectangle. And occasionally, you know, he extends the rectangle out. And there you go, Muhammad. You just, you just make him a boxer and make his last name Ali and say, we weren't or, making or, a carpenter. Wait, no, I got a better one. I got a better one. He just has like a, you know, like a bag over his head or, or like you can't see his face. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, he's just called Muhammad. But there we go. Problem solved. Don't show the face. Problem solved. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, let countries do what they want to do. If the people of that country are fine with their country putting in those kinds of roles, who are we to say? You know, whatever. It's their societal norm, you know. I'm curious to see if, if more countries are going to sort of – because, I mean, you, that's like so such a serious response to block access to all of Steam. It's kind of crazy. That's, that that is a bit over, that's definitely overkill. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I'm 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 curious to see. Uh, you know, I'm sure this isn't the last we've heard of this game. I'm sure we're going to see a lot more stuff. Yeah, I feel really bad for this people game. in Malaysia who just wanted to play some TF2 this weekend. <laughs> and like now, thanks to you know this this god fighting game, like their weekend plans are screwed. <laughs> I feel bad for them. So like that that's when you get to a territory where I do feel like I'm in a place to judge that country was like, what the hell's wrong with you? Why don't you just let people do what they want? I mean, it's there. <laughs> I mean, laws are laws, but like, and, and I know morality, morality is subjective, but just from my position, like who is this hurting? Like, I don't see how you can make an argument for this from a moral standpoint, but that's just me. I mean, I can, I can go for a while. I can go for days on this, but never mind. it's weird. It's, it's weird. And I hope it doesn't get worse. Basically. I hope there's no uh, backlash to the developers about, about that. For sure, yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Although I'm sure they expect some. Oh yeah, they probably did. Um, having said that, that is all the show we have for you this week. Uh, as always, we really appreciate you listening to us, uh, and please feel free to leave a comment below, like, subscribe, 
Um, and any and all feedback is totally welcome at Pack Podcast on Twitter. Or like I said, we check out the comments all the time. Uh, until next week, I have been your host, Michael Schluger. I've been Connor Howard. Josh Irwin. Have a great week of gaming. Push a lot of keys for us. We will see you next week. This has been a production of the GWW Radio Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for all the latest news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, movies, TV, cosplay, and more. Geeks, assemble!